0: Well, I do believe that this is a first. A couple of uh, days ago, I started showing some of the symptoms of the big C, and so, yeah, we decided that it would be better if I actually pre-record this message in a very safe way. There's nobody in this room except for one guy. He's a long ways away from me, so anyway. Hello to all my Effingham friends. But Newton I have a special speech that I need to let you guys know about. It's the substitute Teacher speech. Tyler Sturkey's there. He's filling in for me. And I want to hear a good report when I get back, guys. I want to hear that you all behaved well, that you all listened and paid attention, and were kind to the Substitute Teacher. And <laughs> anyway, I know you guys will do great. I can't wait to be back with all of you. I miss all of you guys. One of the things that I am terrible at. You know, I consider myself a fairly responsible person. I consider myself you know, very conscientious and I try to make sure I'm always doing the right thing. But one thing I'm terrible at, absolutely horrible, is anything that needs regular maintenance. If it needs regular maintenance, if it needs checked on every three months, man, you're lucky if I get to it once a year. I just am not good at it. Like car oil changes, for example. For me, it's a struggle to fill up my tank when I get to a quarter tank. You know, my brother gave me a lecture one time. He said, you need to fill up your tank when you get to a quarter tank because otherwise you run that fuel down too low and, uh, you know, the fuel pump can't dissipate the heat and need to fill up that tank. Well, I'm always going until that light dings and says fuel level low. Like I'm driving it all the way to E all the time just because I don't, I don't need gas right that moment. Well, oil changes are even worse, I'm the kind of guy that's been Googling, how often do you really need to change your oil? In my mind, the 3,000 mile thing, that's all a whole bunch of marketing from Jiffy Lube, you know? 5,000 miles is good enough. Well, what happens to me is my car hits 5,000 miles, my truck hits 5,000 miles. I can't seem to find an oil change place closer than 2,000 miles away from me. It's always at least seven, 8,000 miles before I change the oil in my vehicle. And I know that's bad. I know that's not good. I know it reduces efficiency. I know it's more wear and tear on the engine. I know that's not a good habit. But at the end of the day, I go out in my driveway, turn the key in my vehicle, and it still starts. And so I know it's important up here, but it doesn't feel important here because... Well, it still works, it still goes. So I let these other things that seem more urgent at the time override the need of my vehicle for maintenance. It's just, it's just the way I am and it's really, it's really a character flaw. Well, that same thing happens to an awful lot of us when it comes to our pace of life. The message today, you know, we've been talking about first things first, the art of simplicity. Darren did a great job setting it up. Last week, Tyler, I wish I'd missed that sermon last week. Honestly, I really do because man, I'm guilty of that. Simplify your stuff, simplify your possessions. Not a strong suit of mine. And today I wanna talk to you about simplify your pace. We're all running in this 24-7 culture. We're all go, go, go all the time. It never stops. We just push and push and push. And here's the crazy thing about it is that God designed us, just like my vehicle, just like my Silverado is designed to have its oil changed regularly, God designed us to stop regularly. But we've been ignoring that for so long. It's just like my truck, just starving for an oil change. We, as a culture, we as a people, are starving for a stop, for a rest. And God gave it to us from the very beginning of the world. He gave it to us in the form of the Sabbath. I'm going to read a couple scriptures for you. The first one: Genesis two, chapters one or verses one through three. This. This is from the very beginning of the world, guys. God gets through making the six days of creation. You know, he makes fish, and he makes land, and animals, and people, and all this stuff. And then we hit this verse. It says, and so the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their heavenly lights. By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done. Guys, he finished making the entire universe. We're still finding stars. We're still finding stuff out there in space, He did more in six days, and we have spent the last thousands and thousands and thousands of years trying to find all of it. It's crazy what he did. And then the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on that day. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because on it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. You think God gets to the end of those six days? The God, Like in those six days, he not just makes the world and all that, but he establishes time. He establishes the calendar. He establishes the year. He sets up the sun and the earth and how fast we're going around the whole thing. And then he gets to the seventh day and you think he's just like, I can't do anymore. I'm whooped. I'm just, I'm just drained of all energy, man. I gotta, I gotta take some R&R. I need to go to Tahiti. Like, This is ridiculous. No, God's not doing that. God did this on purpose. In fact, that word rest right there, it means abstain. It's not the kind of rest where you just collapse into bed at the end of the day because you're so worn out. It's the kind of rest where you say, okay, on purpose, I'm shoving all of this aside for now. I'm putting the phone on do not disturb because I need some time. But here's the thing, did God really need the time? No, I don't think so. I don't think God needs anything. I think God can handle all of it. So why did God do that? Here's why. Sabbath is a rhythm that is established by God from the very beginning of the world. He did it for you and he did it for me. From the very beginning of time, he baked it into the week. Like he set up the year, he set up the seasons, he set up all this stuff, and then he took one whole seventh of his time, and established this idea of Sabbath. So that's the first place we see it in Scripture. The next place that we see it in Scripture is as part of the Ten Commandments. You know, God has his people, the Jewish people, and he sets up this contract with them. It was called the covenant. It was a contract of how God relates with the people, how the people relate to God, and there was a whole bunch of stuff in the Ten Commandments. You've all heard it all through Sunday school and all your life, you know, stuff like don't murder, no other gods before me don't steal, and then we had this one in Exodus 20. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. For six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You, and then he like starts closing loopholes like crazy here, <laughs> Okay, I'm not supposed to do any work. But also, your son, your daughter, your male slave, or your female slave, or your cattle, your oxen is even supposed to take a break. It says, or your resident who stays with you. Here's why. And he references right back over to Genesis 2, like we just saw. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything that is in them. And he rested on the seventh day. For that reason, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Holy. Just in case we as people, we as humans hadn't figured it out yet, God bakes it into the contract. Like if it wasn't enough that he did it for us and set the, set the model for us when he built the world, he bakes it into the contract with us where we are supposed to take a break. We're supposed to get that oil change once every seven days. It's funny, he repeats the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy. and uh, Deuteronomy 5, 15 And you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to celebrate the Sabbath day. It's not enough. When he repeats it in Deuteronomy, it's a different reason. In Exodus, he says, hey, do this command because God did it when he built the world. But in Deuteronomy, he says, do it because it's a time for you to remember how he brought you out of Egypt. It's a time for you to remember all of the things that God has done for you. And we see an important part of Sabbath here with this also. Sabbath is a gift to enjoy the blessings that God has given and remember his work in our stories. Every single person that's here in church today has had God do something in your life. You have had him work in you in some way. He's given you people. He's given you possessions. He's blessed you. We live in the United States of America for crying out loud. And the Sabbath day is a time for us to sit and enjoy it. What is the point of following our God? What is the point of life if we're just always pushing all the time and never stop to say, Thank you, God, for what you've done. Never stop to just sit and enjoy the good things that we have. We've all had that moment with our children, right? Where we take them to some place, you know, like Holiday World, or we're on vacation and they get so frustrated by a spilt ice cream cone, or they get so. Upset that they couldn't get on the one ride that they wanted to ride, that they miss out on the whole rest of the day. Guys, we're like that an awful lot when we just push push and push and push and push and we never stop to just enjoy what God has given us. We're just ruining it. That Sabbath is so important. It's a gift from God to enjoy the blessings that God has given and remember His work in our stories. What has He done in your life? What brought you to this moment? How has God changed you? How has God changed your family? How has God spoken to you? One day a week we're supposed to just sit in that. Doesn't that sound like so much, doesn't that sound like heaven? (laughs) So here's what happened, as we track his Sabbath through history, You know, God set it up for us at the beginning of the world, then he bakes it into the contract with the Jewish people, well, somewhere between that first contract and then the second contract that God set up through Jesus, Sabbath got lost. The whole point of the thing got messed up. There were some people over here on one end of the spectrum that just ignored it completely. You know, they uh, they, they just... They just disregarded it, and the prophecies of like Jeremiah and Ezekiel are all full of these things where God is saying, you're ignoring the Sabbath, you're ignoring the Sabbath, you're ignoring this thing that I wanted to give you. Are you serious? Come on, people, get on board with this. It was really important to God in that contract, and they just ignored it completely. And, you know, we like to blame Thomas Edison for the light bulb. We like to blame Steve Jobs for the iPhone, and that's why we're in a 24-7 culture now. No, it's just human nature. It doesn't matter what level of technology we do or don't have. We're going to find a way to fill up that time. Because they didn't have iPhones. They didn't have light bulbs. They did the exact same thing. And on the other hand, over here, the other end of the spectrum, some people observed the Sabbath, but they built a whole bunch of crazy rules around it. I looked it up. In Orthodox Judaism today, there are 39 different categories of work that are prohibited on the Sabbath day. You know what the first one of them is? Carrying. You're not allowed to carry anything on the Sabbath day. You know, and it's kind of based in some of the scripture, but at the same time, they have taken it to such an extent that they don't let you put your keys in your pocket. They don't let you put keys in your pocket. Why? Because now you're carrying them around, and that's work. Don't do that on the Sabbath day. And so these people put so many rules around the Sabbath that it was no longer a gift. It was no longer a gift from God. It was just this burden that was placed on people's shoulders. Worst day of the week. Supposed to be the best day of the week. It became the worst day of the week because there was just... He just had to focus so hard to not mess up the Sabbath. And Jesus had a lot of showdowns with the religious establishment when he was here on our planet. There were like four or five times where Jesus knocks heads with the Pharisees, with the religious elite over this idea of Sabbath. And finally, in Mark 2, this is what he says to them. Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath, So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Jesus is saying, look, I'm the dude who built this. I am the guy who created the Sabbath. It was my idea. And I did it as a gift. I did it as a blessing for you, not an obligation. I wanted you to to enjoy this day. I wanted you to remember what I've done for you. I wanted you to sit and abstain from work and rest and relax and rejuvenate. And instead you've placed this heavy burden on people and now there's absolutely no way they can comply with it and it's just like this crazy list of rules that you gotta keep. Here's what I've found. Jesus did not eliminate the Sabbath requirement. He didn't take the Ten Commandments and shrink them down to nine. Although we all live that way, we all acknowledge how important nine of those commandments are, but we completely ignore the Sabbath. He did not eliminate it, but instead restored its original purpose as a gift to mankind. Jesus is saying, I've made the Sabbath for you. Do you hear that, New Hope? Do you hear that, Church? Jesus made the Sabbath for you, it's a gift for you to enjoy. So that's a brief overview of the Sabbath through scripture. I mean, it's important, it is all through the scripture. It's in the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament. And yeah, we've eliminated the legalistic burden like I put my keys in my pocket on the Sabbath. And you know, we're not supposed to like freak out about which day of the week it is. You know, in Colossians 2, 16 through 17, Paul is saying, he goes, therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food and drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. I love that. Some people on their Sabbath, they might want to exercise. They might want to go on a long run. I don't want to go on a long run on my Sabbath day. You know, what is it for you? Things which are only a shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Paul is saying, don't get so hung up on rules. Don't get so hung up on whether this is on Saturday or Sunday or maybe even Tuesday for crying out loud. Don't worry about all of those things. Instead, focus on Jesus and enjoy him with these things. Enjoy him with your Sabbath. So that's scripture. That's the case for you as to why you should observe the Sabbath from scripture. But it's not just scripture, man. Science also. Science also supports the idea of one day off per week. I found this inc.com article, inc.com, and it had a whole bunch of quotes. It It was about how science supports the idea of taking one day off a week. Here's the first quote. It says, The National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health Reports in a CDC publication that stress levels at work are higher than ever and that healthcare expenditures are nearly 50% greater for workers who report high levels of stress. So our stress just keeps going up, 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 up. And with that, doctor bills go up. Okay, it's a direct correlation. Stress creates havoc with our physical and emotional health. A growing body of evidence shows that skipping breaks can lead to stress and exhaustion. The way my brain interprets that, (laughs) skip the Sabbath and you're gonna have to pay the piper. You're gonna pay the piper in emotional health. You're gonna pay the piper in physical health. You're gonna pay the piper financially when you've got doctor's bills out the wazoo because you have not been changing the oil in your vehicle. Greater stress means you need regular breaks. And we as a culture totally and completely ignore this all the time, and we are paying the piper big time. Next quote from Inc.com. A 2008 University of Illinois study shows that all work and no play dramatically reduces focus as well as productivity. Conversely, regular time off work improves it. So not only are we paying more money, not only are we paying more in our emotional and physical and financial health, not only are we just suffering from higher stress, but our productivity is going down. When we skip the Sabbath, when we skip our 15-minute breaks, when we skip our vacations, We get less of even what we want. We're all thinking we're just putting our nose to the grindstone and just working away and getting things done and making a difference in the world. But guess what? We're making less and less and less of a difference the longer we go. Ironic, isn't it? When we ignore that rhythm that God established for us, it gets us nowhere. They actually have done some studies on Seventh-day Adventists. Seventh-day Adventists are people who believe in in a very regular Sabbath practice. They may go a little bit too far on the legalistic ends of things. I don't know. I haven't studied it too much. But I know that the Sabbath is incredibly important to them. They take one day off every week. There's a large segment of Seventh-day Adventists in this town called Loma Linda, California. And they've done studies on these people. And they find that these Seventh-day Adventists in California live four to ten years longer than their counterparts. Isn't that fascinating? You know, if your average life is 70 years, and you take one day off out of every seven, that means you've taken ten years off, and they're living ten years longer. Bizarre, isn't it? It's almost like God planned it or something. It's almost like God built us this way. It's just like that car. You ignore those oil changes, you get less engine life. So it's not just scripture. It's not just science. It's also common sense. Man, just common sense says take your Sabbath day off. You know, what's that old quote? I have something along the lines of nobody gets to the end of their life and on their deathbed they're saying, I wish I'd spent more time at the office. You know, how many people have heard that before? I've heard it tons of times. Also, there was this book, uh, Sturkey had me read, he said, I think this would really like apply totally to your message about simplify your pace and he was totally right. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. I highly recommend it if you are uh, if you're interested in this at all. But he tells his story. He was a pastor of a church out on the West Coast that was growing leaps and bounds and service after service after service was added. And before you know it, the weekend would come and he would just preach like six or seven services and he was exhausted and he'd come home and he'd crash and he kind of started to spiral. He was depressed. He started to drink real hard. He's, you know, on on and on. He's like on the border of just destroying his life. And he says, I've got to get this figured out. And one of the practices he put into place was Sabbath. And one of the things he said in the book, just blew my mind, it just melted my mind, was he said, look at advertising. He said, look at advertising. Sure, they're trying to sell you products. They're trying to sell you a thing. But what do they use to sell that thing? Nine times out of 10, you see somebody enjoying a Sabbath with that product. Whether it's Corona beer and people are, you know, frolicking on the beach or maybe it's a Jeep commercial and everybody's got their mountain bikes and surfboards and they're just driving all over the place or or maybe it's Folgers Coffee and you're just sitting down and resting and relaxing. Open up a magazine. What are they doing in this, you know, beautiful, better homes and gardens? Are they out there slaving away and working on it? No, they're sitting there perched on their beautiful little lawn chair, enjoying a drink and the sunshine is basking on their face. They're enjoying a Sabbath. We as a culture are so desperate for this rest that God has built into us that we are willing to spend countless amounts of money, billions and billions of dollars buying these products that promise us a Sabbath when all we have to do is take a Sabbath. You don't have to have a perfect home or garden. You don't have to have a Jeep. To enjoy a Sabbath rest, to go out in nature and sit, to drink a cup of coffee in your backyard, to hold your child on a Saturday morning. Study after study after study, common sense, scripture, all of them over and over and over again point to this idea of a Sabbath rest and how important it is for us. But up to this point in the message I would give myself if I was grading my message, <laughs> I'd give myself a D, and here's why. A lot of you are sitting here in this room right now, and you are feeling a low-grade level of guilt. You know, you've been pushing for a long time. You haven't been changing the oil. You know, it's just kind of like me and my car. Like my truck is out there in the parking lot right now, and. It's been 6,000 miles since an oil change. Do I have any plans to change the oil today? Not at all. Is it going to happen today? Nope, it's just not. Why? Because I'm going to go out in the parking lot as soon as I'm done with this film, and I'm going to start my truck, and it's going to get me all the way home. I know up here that changing the oil is important, but I haven't felt it here yet. And you're in the same boat as me with this whole Sabbath thing. You know up here it's important. I've argued to you well from scripture, from science, from common sense. You know that the Sabbath is important, but you don't feel it here yet. And at the same time as you're hearing this message, you have a list of projects, a list of emails you're going to send, a list of people you're going to talk to this afternoon to keep getting stuff done. And while on the one hand, Sabbath sounds incredibly easy to do, it's actually one of the hardest things you will ever do. I, uh, I've been trying to practice the Sabbath a lot more regularly, mostly because I was going to be preaching on it. And I thought, well, I can't just get up here and Sabbath, 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 and then I'm not doing it myself. So I've got to learn this. I've got to get this in place. And I had done it before, but then we fell off the wagon, to be honest with you, and I was trying to get back on it. And it's one of the hardest things you'll do. It's one of the most rewarding, but it's also one of the hardest things that you will do. Why is this so hard? And this is just from my experience. I don't have studies. I don't have scripture for this. This is just Jonathan's experience. First reason that this is so hard. Number one, Sabbath requires us to trust God when we can't get it done in six days. It's hard to fit your entire to-do list in 6 days. I'm in the same boat as you. You know, I lead the Newton campus. That's pretty that's a full-time job, you know. And then I also have a side gig kind of doing some computer work. And so, you know, the church gives me Fridays off. And so a lot of times when a client calls and they need help or they need me to come look at their systems or whatever, you know, I'm going to schedule them for a Friday because I have that day off and they're still open. So I had, so Fridays fill up Well, I'm also in the middle of remodeling this house. So I have, you know, flooring I got to put down. I've got electrical work to do plumbing to do. I've got cabinets and things I need to build. I have all sorts of projects to do at the house. I'm going to be working on that for years. And so I've got that in front of me Then it's hard to fit it all in in six days. Johanna and I decided we're gonna try to take Saturday and that's gonna be our Sabbath day because, you know, Sunday's just, you know, as a pastor, they're just not restful. That's just not gonna work. So Saturdays are our day. And so I'm sitting there and I'm trying to take Saturday off. Well, if I work Sunday through Thursday at the church and then Friday, I'm out there working on computers, I'm not getting anything done at the house, but I'm supposed to take that day off. Trust me, I get it. I get where you're coming from. It's hard to get it all done in six days. But when I let that drive me, when I let that override my Sabbath, here's what I'm saying. I'm saying, yes, God, I believe you can make the entire world in six days, the earth and the moon and the stars and the sun and everything that I see, everything around here, trees, plants, animals, people, you name it, you can do it in six days, but I don't think you can really handle this problem over here. You know, my, my little house that I'm trying to build, you know, the flooring I'm trying to lay and the... You know, I don't, I, don't, I don't think you can really handle that, God, because that's going to require me working a seventh day, actually. It requires me to trust him, that he knows what I need, he knows what I'm trying to accomplish, he knows what I'm trying to do, and he can actually handle it for me. Next one, Sabbath requires you to face your FOMO. I have no idea if I just dated myself with that word or... <laughs> I have no idea if that's still in or not, but it's a real concept. Sabbath requires you to face your FOMO, your fear of missing out. There's a lot of stuff that happens on that seventh day. Your kid might not be able to play a sport because you've decided that's your family day. Your kid, you may not be able to attend this thing or everybody else is going to a party or whatever and you've decided I'm gonna make this a priority and you've gotta miss out on something. That's tough, you know. And then the last one here, Sabbath requires you, this is this is really tough for me. Sabbath means you have to overcome the need to please people. I've had to tell people, look, I'm not going to be able to get to that till next week. This week is full already. And I know that on that Saturday, all it has on my Google calendar is just Sabbath. And it's from 8 a.m. to you know, the rest of the day, and I've blocked that off on my calendar on purpose because I know if I have that empty, I'm going to fill it. And I've already filled up my Friday. And I'm sitting there, and they're calling me, and they need something, and I'm like, well, I could maybe get to that Monday evening. And I'm I'm sitting here, and I'm scared of their rejection, and they're going to be disappointed in me because I can't get to them quickly enough. And it requires you to overcome that need to please people. But again, do we trust our God to get it done? That need that that person has? You think the God that set up this six day rhythm for us, one day rest, do you think maybe He can handle their needs if you're trying to obey His rhythm? See, Sabbath requires heart work. Sabbath requires you to take some steps in your heart that are difficult. exhausting. And I want to tell you, as you start to put in your Sabbath practice in your family, man, give yourself some grace. You're not going to do it perfectly. Also, don't get too wound up about rules. You know, I still drive to the Jasper County dump because Saturday's the only day that it's open. I love that what John Mark Comer said in his book about the ruthless elimination of hurry. He says, I have two filters for my Sabbath. Is it rest or is it worship? That's it. That's what he uses. So, it might be you go on a long run. It might be that you have a family over for a nice dinner, a family that you know is going to be uplifting and build into you. It might be that you just sit and read a novel. You might really spend some time in focused prayer and Bible reading. You might just have that conversation with your wife that you haven't been having for the last 10 years because you've been too busy. You might take your two year old and sit down and watch Curious George. I don't know. Is it rest? Is it worship? Here's what we're going to do. I want you to look inside your own heart now. And as we're headed into the holidays, with Thanksgiving right around the corner and Christmas, and we're headed into the busiest time of the year, what is God asking you to do to simplify your pace? How can you put the Sabbath rest into practice? How can you obey that 10th commandment that we all ignore? What here? I mean, I, know, I think you've got it here. I think you understand that it's important. What is preventing you from doing it here? In both campuses, the uh, worship leader is going to get up and lead us in a song, and I want you to stay in your seat. I want you to bring those parts of your heart to God and submit them to Him. Is it fear that you're not going to get it done? Is it fear that you're going to disappoint people? Is it fear that you're gonna miss out on something? What is the fear that drives you to work that seventh day? What is it that prevents you from enjoying the gift God wants to give you with the Sabbath? What is standing between you and simplifying your pace? Ask that question. Bring it to God. And then when you're ready, stand and worship him. I'm gonna close this in prayer. God, thank you for the Sabbath. Thank you for this incredible gift that you've given to us as mankind. Jesus, help us to do it. Lord, there comes a point where we just have to do it. We just have to say, okay, this day is blocked off on the calendar. Help us to accomplish it. Give us the grace we need for our fears and where we lack in our hearts. Help us to trust the God that built this world in six days. Help us to trust you with all these people that need us so badly. Help us to trust you with our fear of missing out. I pray that the Sabbath, as these people, as New Hope, as the congregation starts to put this into practice, I pray that your Holy Spirit would meet us there, that you'd refill our souls, that you'd refresh us, and that we would remember what you've done in our lives and enjoy the gift that you've given us. Help us to worship you by participating in your rest. Amen.